Corinthians chapter 7, as we continue through Paul's letter here to the church in Corinth. <clears throat> and this passage we're going to look at this morning is kind of the heart of this chapter, verses 17 through 24. Uh, after discussing in the previous part of this chapter, marriage and singleness, Paul issues a practical teaching here. He develops an example, or a couple of examples, uh, one from the religious sphere and one from the social uh, sphere concerning circumcision and concerning slavery. So begin with me at verse 17 in 1 Corinthians 7. Paul says, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bond servant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bond servant is a freedman of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bond servant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bond servants of men. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Now, part of the problem here, as we saw last week, is the church in Corinth had moved so far away from the teaching and the message of the cross, the teaching of, of the, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and how that had changed their lives. And, and they had began to look at man-made commands. As we saw last week, uh, some were saying, look, if you really want to be spiritual, then you need to be single. You need to divorce your husband, divorce your wife if you really want to be spiritual. And Paul says, no, don't listen to that. He said, it's good to be single. But he said, it's also good to be married. He said, whatever gift that God has given to you. And Paul here in this, in this uh, section says, stay as you are. A at first, we need to understand Christianity was seen as a variant of Judaism in the Roman world. And under the Roman world, under Roman rule, Judaism was, was uh, protected. They were allowed to worship as they wanted to. And so they, at first, the, the, the Romans, they saw this Christianity as just being a part of Judaism. And it was afforded the full rights of practice under Roman rule. But as the Jews would denounce their belief in Jesus as the Messiah and pointed out that he claimed to be a king. And you remember when, when uh, Jesus was standing before Pilate, and Pilate says, you know what? I don't want anything to do with this man. I'm going to let him go. And they said, if you let this man claims to be a king, if you let him go, you're no friend of Caesar's. Well, that scared Pilate, so then he carried out his, what he was called to do. But the point is that as these Jews denounced belief in Jesus and his claims, uh, uh, his rivalry of kingly claims of, of those of Caesar, the Roman authorities perceived Christianity as a threat. Listen, at this point, I must point out 
And this is an aside from what the message is. The gospel is the most controversial thing on the face of this planet. The gospel will make enemies of your friends. The gospel, Jesus said, don't think I came to bring peace. He said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. He said, a father will be against his uh, son and a mother against her, her daughter-in-law. And he says that, that the gospel is confrontational. And we must understand that. And these Romans, when they figured this out, then, then they began to persecute the church. And these uh, Corinthians believers, uh, what Paul saw was the danger that the gospel had lost its power in Corinth because it was no longer about the gospel. And Paul saw the danger to the gospel which this social upheaval would cause. If Christians insisted that their freedom in Christ had to be exercised in a confrontational way, there would be consequences to the spread of the gospel. Now, let me clarify what Paul's saying here compared to what I said. The gospel is confrontational. When you, though Jesus said, in this world, they will hate you. When you live like I tell you to live, when you proclaim the message of the gospel, when you proclaim that there is only one way to Christ, uh, one way to God, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone asked a while back, they said, you know, I don't understand. Why do you believe there's only one way? How can there be only one way? And I responded with, that should not surprise us that there's only one way. What should surprise us is that there's even one way. And so Paul, is in, he said that the church in, uh, in Corinth, they were insisting on their, they, they were saying, you know what, as a, as, a free, as a believer in Christ, I'm free to just go out and live any way I want to. They, they, they were uh, involved in sexual immorality. There was all these things going on. And, and Paul, was, they were saying, you know what, I have a right to go visit the temple prostitutes. I'm free in Christ. I have a right to divorce my husband or my wife. I'm free in Christ. And Paul says, you have completely missed what freedom in Christ is is all about. And if they continued to insist on these, uh, then, then they would suffer the consequences and the spread of the gospel would have come to a stop. You know, what if slaves were to form a, a movement to free themselves from their earthly masters as an expression of their freedom in Christ? Would that commend the gospel, Paul says? What if marriages within the church began to be uh, annulled and the number of unsupported wives and children multiplied? What would that say about a gospel of restoration and forgiveness and love? Now, now don't get the idea here that Paul is saying that slavery is good. That's not what he's saying, and we're going to talk more about that here in a minute. But his point was, look, if you rise up and you start saying, you know, we have a right to demand what we Paul says you completely missed the point he said that's not what the gospel is about the gospel is not about me availing my rights Paul says the gospel is about Christ crucified and that is what they had forgotten and Paul's point here is that God's sovereignty extends over all circumstances of all individual life do you understand that listen did you know 
that in life, especially for those of us who are believers, there are no accidents. There is nothing random. Everything has been ordained and laid out by God himself. Everything that happens in my life, whatever stage in my life I find myself, I stand right here in this church, not because I came and visited and you decided to vote and let me be your pastor. Listen, I want to tell you, God decided that before you did. You are here this morning, not by accident. You are here this morning because God placed you right where you sit. God did that. And all of our life is governed by God. God assigns everybody a place in life, and he calls each one to their particular function. God's sovereignty does not come into play uh, when our spiritual life begins. It has governed everything from the very beginning of creation. There is nothing throughout from the moment that God said, let there be light, till the moment that Jesus returns and consummates our salvation. I want to tell you folks, there's not one minute in there where God said, oh, wait, I didn't plan on that. Or I didn't know that was going to happen. God knew it was all going to happen because God is the one who ordained that it would happen. Now, when you look at life, listen, we don't, doesn't mean we always understand Things. I mean, we can look back through the history of the world and we see all the wars that's been fought. And we say, why would God allow this? And why would God allow that? And we may not know the answers, but that doesn't mean that he didn't. You understand what I'm saying? God's ways are not our ways. And so Paul, <clears throat> he says, look, you need to understand that nothing in our lives is by chance. Nothing in our lives is by accident. And the circumstances of our personal lives are not accidental. They are laid down by God. You know, I always find it interesting when people speak of a pregnancy and they say, well, that was an accident. Oh, it wasn't. I always hear people say, well, you know, someone accidentally died. No, they didn't. The power of life and death is in God's hands. God gives life to any, every uh, child that is born into this world is born because God said so. Every person that leaves this world, regardless of how it is, when it is, is because God has said so. And Paul's point here to the Corinthians is, look, you need to understand this. Stop trying to find all these ways to exercise what you believe is a freedom in Christ and allow yourself to be where God put you and do what God called you to do. It's just that simple is what he's saying. And so each one finds his or her own special duties in keeping God's commands within the sphere of which he has placed us. You know, I can, I can look at this, and, and I make a joke about this all the time. You know, I despise cold weather. I hate it. I think snow is from the devil. <laughs> no, I know God sends it, but I have, I have joked many times, I know that somewhere in the Bahamas is a church that needs a pastor. You know, down there where it never gets cold. But you know what? I am right here where I am, where God put me, and I thank him for it. If, if, if somebody called me with a church in Bahamas, I would tell them no, because I am right where I need to be. And my point is this, that we need to understand that... that we step back and we look at our lives. We say, why am I in this church? Why am I in this city? Why am I married to this person? Why do I have this job? And I will tell you, because God said so. It's just that simple. And we, uh, when we understand that God ordains all that happens, then it makes life 
so much more fun. You know, I may walk away from here today, and my life may fall apart. Cindy may come to me and say, you know what, our bank account's empty. Well, she could usually say that most of the time, but <laughs> no, you see what I'm saying? Everything I have could be gone. I may lose one of my kids. I may lose one of my grandkids. I may lose my wife. I may lose my life. And step back, and we always say, why me? And God looks at us and says, why not you? But when we understand that God ordains all that happens, I didn't say we always understand it, but we can rest in that. And so Paul is telling these, these, these believers, he's saying, look, you, you keep trying to do all these man-made things. You've gotten away from the message of Christ crucified. And he's going to tell us something here that down there in verse 23 that he talks already talked about in verse uh, chapter 6 that we'll look at here in a moment. But Paul gives two examples. There in verse 18, he says, Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but the keeping of the commandments of God. So the first example that Paul takes is from the issue of circumcision. And this, is a, this is in the religious sphere. Now we understand that circumcision was considered a defining characteristic of a person's Jewishness and was considered the supreme evidence of being a true son of Abraham. And when God instituted this, the the the, the Right of circumcision was given to point to the fact that they were the true children of God. But the outward, okay, listen, the outward marks were to be a picture of the inward marks. Paul tells us over in the book of Romans, he says, look, not every Jew is a true Jew. And he's not talking about circumcision. He said, do you know who a true Jew is? He's one that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a true Jew. And we have the same thing today. We have baptism. You know, you can come and you can say, look, I have been saved and, and, or I want to be saved and I may baptize you. But I want to tell you something. If you're not saved when you go into the water, you're not saved when you come out. Because that doesn't save you. But what baptism does, baptism is an outward picture of something that has already happened inwardly. And so this is where Paul is telling him, he said, look, the Judaizers, they were coming along. They were insisting that the Gentile believers in Christ should first become Jews before they could become true Christians. So the Judaizers, the Judaizers were the people who were Jewish people. They were Jewish religious leaders. And they said, look, if you want to truly believe in Jesus, you have to become a Jew first. So they would, they would uh, command that they be circumcised. And, and Paul actually wrote a whole letter about this in the book of Galatians where he confronted this and he consistently opposed this. Christian Jews should not change their status in regard to circumcision any more than the Gentiles needed to. Circumcision doesn't matter anymore, Paul said. What matters is the keeping of the commandments of God. 
So with the coming of Christ and the gospel, the external sign had given way to the internal reality. When you believe the gospel, but the Bible says that, that God writes his law on your heart. We are given a new heart. We are giving a new affections. We are giving new loves. As, as, as we said last week, the believing in the gospel, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ remains that you begin to hate the sin that you once loved and you begin to love the righteousness you once hated. And this is what Paul is saying, look, he said all these things, all these man-made things you're doing, he says, listen, the law is written on our hearts. And when the inner reality of the law written on the heart becomes a reality through the gospel of Christ, the outer signs are redundant. So their whole thing about... Uh, circumcision, he said, look, it doesn't matter anymore. He said, if you're uncircumcised, stay that way. If you're circumcised, stay that way. He said, it doesn't matter. All that matters is this, that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But you see, they had forgotten that because they had gotten away from the gospel of Christ and him crucified. Verse 21, he says, were you a bond servant when called? Do not be concerned about it, but if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who called you, who was called in the Lord as a bondservant, is a freedman of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. Paul now turns to this example of slavery. And the Christian uh, slave was not to be troubled by the point of, to the point of distraction because... That was no longer what mattered most to him. Now listen, in Paul's day, slavery was very common. Now their, their slavery was much different than what we know as slavery. In those days, a lot of people became slaves of their own free will. And a lot of people were, were made slaves against their will. But Paul's point, he uses here the word bond servant or bond slave. You know what a difference in a slave and a bond slave is this. A slave is someone who's a slave against their will, but a bond slave is someone who chooses to be a slave. For instance, I may be uh, <clears throat> taken and, and sold into slavery, and maybe after many years I begin to love my master. I love his family. I love working for him. I love serving him. He's a good master. So you know what? I wanted this to be my vocation in life. I want to be your slave forever. And he would take me and he would put my ear against the wall and he would take it all and put a hole in my ear. That made me a bond slave. And that's what Paul's talking about here. He calls him a bond servant. And he says, look, if you are a slave and you can obtain your freedom, he said, take it. He said, but if you don't want to take it, don't. He said, you can be just as much a Christian as a slave as you can as a free man. And, but, but you see, he says that the distraction was these things that no longer mattered most to him. The priority by which all Christians, slave or free, must live their lives in relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> we all have hopes and dreams. We all have desires and we allow sometimes those hopes and those dreams and those desires to overwhelm our lives and to take control of our lives and Paul says for the believer it doesn't work that way 
He says, it, Paul says, for the believer, it doesn't matter whether you're a slave or whether you're free, whether you're circumcised, whether you're not, whether you live in America or China or Russia. He said, all that matters is, do you glorify the Lord Jesus Christ? But when you get away from the message of the cross, that goes away. And that's what the church in Corinth have done. We've seen today that the same thing still happens today. The Christian uh, the, the distinctions of status in this temporal world are irrelevant in comparison with the eternal relationship to Jesus Christ. Paul's already told these Corinthians once. He says, look, when I came, he said, I didn't want to hear anything about you. I didn't want to hear anything from you except Christ crucified. That's all that matters. What is your relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ? And there's only one of two. There's only two, just like genders. <laughs> There's only two. Paul says, look, you're either in Christ or you're outside Christ. You're either lost or you're saved. You're either dead or you're alive. There is no other way. There's no other options. And all that matters is our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian agenda is not to abolish social differences, but to put them in their proper eternal perspective by transcending them through the gospel. There is nothing on the face of this planet more important than that little word, gospel. Gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because no matter what our status in life, no matter what our state in life, in the end, all that will matter is what is our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, of course, it's better for all men to be free rather than slaves, but that is only a relative good compared to the absolute of being a bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this leads to Paul's concluding application there in verse 23. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. If you go back to chapter 6 and verse 19, Paul says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit which was in you, which you have from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Paul is writing in there in chapter 6. He's talking about those in, in, in Corinth who, who felt like that sexual immorality was okay because they're free in Christ. And, he, and, and listen, folks, once we ever understand this, you don't belong to you anymore once you come to Christ. You've been bought with a price. And so he concludes this here in verse 23. Again, he says, you were bought with a price. Don't become bondservants of men. And when he says don't become bondservants of men, he's saying stop letting men dictate how you're going to live your life. There's only one truth. There's only one absolute truth. This is it. Listen, you can take all the wise Rich men on the planet and put them all together and say, what is truth? And it won't matter a bit. This is the only source of truth. Today, what the Bible calls sins, we see running rampant in our society. We see the systematic murder of unborn children. And the world says, that's okay. 
But God says, I will not hold him guiltless who sheds the blood of the innocent. We see in our society today that the, the, the whole homosexual agenda and the world says, oh, you just got to love them. And God says, no, I don't. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what you say. What matters is what does God say. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, you were bought with a price. And you know what that price was? Peter tells us in his book, for, in, in his letter, First Peter. He says, for you, you were not bought with worthless things. He says, you were bought with the precious blood of Christ. The precious blood of Christ. You know, in a few minutes, we're going to come to the Lord's table. You know what that juice right there represents? It represents the precious blood of Christ. Jesus said, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, he says, you have no part with me. And that's what the Lord's Supper pictures. The Lord's Supper pictures the gospel. And here's what Paul is telling these believers in Corinth. He's saying, you don't belong to yourself. All that really counts is the reality of our relationship to him as Lord, seen in our obedience to his word. Once we allow other people to put their rules in, in the place of God's commands, we've lost all of our Christian freedom. And if the, if the Corinthian Christians yielded to the pressures from purely human resources or sources to change their circumstances and situations in life, then they become the slaves of men. When Paul started out this letter, that's what he talked about. He says, look, uh, the, the, all the Corinthians cared about was, all, was having knowledge. The more knowledge you have, the better you are, and all of this. And Paul says, look, the knowledge you have is the wrong kind of knowledge. You have human knowledge. You have uh, earthly knowledge. You don't have biblical knowledge. And he says, as a result, when you, when you do this, you become slaves of men rather than slaves of God. And, and it's as though Paul is replaying the conversations they've had uh, and which they could so easily produce a new kind of slavery. Listen, there is no slavery like legalism. You know, that's what the Pharisees did. And, and we still see it today. If you're going to be a Christian, you have to do this, this, and this, and you better not ever do that, that, that. When the reality is, if I'm a believer in Christ, I don't have to come to church. I want to come to church. I want to gather with God's people. I want to pray. I want to gather uh, to read God's word and hear God's word. I want to do those things, not to be a Christian, but because I'm a Christian. The Corinthians, they had all these things, you know, give up marriage, uh, leave that unsaved spouse. Uh, you got to be circumcised. And in, in Paul, he says, look, he wants them to stay where they are and keep on obeying God's commands so that they might enjoy the only true freedom any human being can have in recognizing and submitting to the Jesus Christ as Lord. Listen, if you don't know Christ, you don't know freedom. Jesus said that the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. Free from what? 
Well, we're not only freed from things, we're also freed to things. Do you know that the unbeliever is not free to worship God? They're not. They don't want to. They don't care. They don't understand about this. And we need to understand we have been set free from the bondage of sin, but we have also been set free in order that we might glorify God in our bodies, Paul says, and submit to Jesus Christ as our Lord. And the circumstances of life are not the most important things in life. <clears throat> Did you know that I can stand up here and I can preach God can, uh, I can have another church call me, maybe has a thousand people, pays me more money, affords me more perks, and I say, oh, I'm going to go for that. Surely that's God's will that I do that. And I can do that, and I can stay there for 30 years and preach and die and go to hell. Because that doesn't matter. What matters is, do I know the Lord Jesus Christ? And am I being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ? Where God has placed us, whatever our circumstance in life, whatever our uh, situations in life, those are not the most important things. The great priority is that irrespective of our circumstances, we have been set free in Christ to be true, our true redeemed selves. You know, in Sunday school this morning, that's what we talked about from the book of Colossians, about killing sin. And one of the ways that you kill sin in your life, the ones of the ways you mortify sin in our growth in holiness and sanctification, is that we put on Christ, put off the old self. Simply what that means is I need to remember that in Christ, I'm redeemed. In Christ, I am set free from the bondage of sin. In Christ, I am set free from the bondage of death. In Christ, I am being conformed to his image day by day by day. And these Corinthians, and we too, forgot that. They had gotten so far away thinking, you know, my, my situation in life, my station in life must be the most important thing. How much money I have, what kind of job I have, what kind of family I have. Paul says, look, in the eternal perspective of things, those don't matter. They're completely irrelevant. All that matters, he says there in verse 24, so brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. There let him remain with God. Whatever God's called you to do, let me ask you something. You see, part of the problem that the Corinthians had was they'd forgotten the message of the cross, the message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the gospel. The gospel says, I am a sinner. The gospel says that I rightly deserve the righteous wrath of God, that I'm an enemy of God outside of Christ. Does that fit you? And it is only as I come to place my faith and my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. And I repent of my sin and I turn from my life of, uh, of sin and I begin to, to pursue holiness. And the pursuit of holiness is the pursuit of God himself. And as I said earlier, do you know what the greatest evidence of someone has believed the gospel? Their life changes. They have new affections. They have a new heart. 
They have new loves. They also have a new hatred. A hatred of sin. Does that fit you? Can you say, I look to God's word. I want to obey God above all else. Many times I have read God's word. You know, I have found why most people don't read God's word. You know, Mark Twain one time I think gave one of the greatest quotes I ever heard. He said, it's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand that bother me. He said, it's the parts I do understand. Because we come to the word of God and, and James tells us that this is like a mirror that we look into. We don't like what we see there. So what we do, we turn away from it. And we say, well, I know the Bible says that, but I believe. And God says, listen, God's not being insensitive here. But God says, I don't care what you believe. All I care is what I said. And the reason God says that is because he's God. And he has the right to do that. And so we must look at our lives and say, look, am I a true believer, a true follower of Jesus Christ? Have I begun to, to, to change? Listen, you show me a man that loves the Lord Jesus Christ, that is a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'll show you a man that loves his wife like Christ loved the church. I'll show you a man that leads his family in worship. I'll show you a man that leads his family and provides for his family and protects his family, brings them to church. Today we have so many husbands who follow their wives to church, and that's backwards. Wives, you're supposed to be following your husbands to church. You show me a woman that is truly a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'll show you a woman that is truly in submission to, to, to their husbands as they are to the Lord Jesus Christ, a woman who, would, who enjoys taking care of her children and her husband. You show me children who are being led to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'll show you children that are obedient to their parents. It's all like this. And, and, and this is where Paul is saying, look, you were bought with a price. Back in chapter 6, he says, so glorify God in your body. And here in chapter 7, these people, they were trying to change everything, saying, I need to get divorced. I need to, 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 to be circumcised. And he says, stop all that. You either believe on the Lord Jesus Christ or you don't. And you and I must decide this morning, listen, the Bible says today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. Now, you've all heard the, the old expression, you know what happens tomorrow, right? It don't ever get here. Tomorrow never comes. Tomorrow is the devil's day. Today is God's day. And God says, today, if you will hear my voice, don't harden your hearts. Don't walk out of these doors and saying, I know I need to be saved, but I, I just don't want to give up my sin. Don't walk out those doors and say, you know, I know I need to be saved, but I'm going to come back next week and see what it's like. Because you don't know if you'll be here. So we must understand, are, we, are you free in Christ? Are you a slave this morning to your sins or a slave to Christ? And by faith, we can believe on Christ and we can hear the gospel and say, I'm a sinner. I deserve God's wrath, but Jesus came. And if I believe in him, God will give me eternal life. He's promised it. So as we come to the Lord's table this morning, I ask you to pray this morning. We're going to take just a moment before we come to the table. <clears throat>
you know, this table right here is only for believers. That's the only people that should do this. 